What's good, everybody? I'm John Zastrzemski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on the Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episode three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Larry Wilmore. You are listening to Black on the Air. Thank you for choosing this podcast. Just starting our summer here, just about. And uh, there's a lot of craziness going on. (laughs) Man, there's a lot of stuff going on. All the people fighting on the airplanes is, whew, man. There was a guy who tried to storm a cockpit or something on a Delta flight. Of course, it's Delta. Delta or Spirit. It's got to be one of those. Although Southwest is out of control, too. And people, like, pinned him down. They hogtied the guy off the plane. What's wrong with people, man? Well, you got to be hogtied off of a flight. Oh, my God. You should not be flying. Choose another mode of transportation. I think he was trying to say, this plane cannot leave. I mean, I if look, if he has some mental problems, I don't want to make fun of that. Absolutely not. But, you know, maybe it's being locked up for so long, COVID. I don't know. People need to chill. And we got to chill. There's a lot going on. I'll talk about a couple of things. But here's the thing I got to talk about. Okay, I brought up the UFO thing last time. And, you know, I have a lot of fun with it. But guys, I can't help myself with this. I cannot help. Oh, and by the way, I'm talking to Wanda Sykes today. Uh, We talked a couple of days ago. You know, Wanda's one of my all-time faves. I've known Wanda for years, and she has a new show coming out called The Upshaws. And we, I catch up with her, and we have a fun conversation. And I bring this up with her, too, just briefly. But I have to bring this up. So the UFO thing, guys, is driving me crazy. Because apparently there was some, I guess, official statement that came out that said, (laughs) they can't say that it's extraterrestrials, terrestrials, right? They're saying they don't have proof that it's extraterrestrials, but they don't know what it is. What the fuck kind of statement is that? That is not a statement. That is a stalemate. That, That leaves us at the exact same place 
after your statement as we were before. We, you haven't moved us anywhere with that statement. What do you mean you can't say? Yes, you can. You're talking. Say it. Say what it is. Just tell us. That's all I'm asking you guys. Just tell us what the fuck is going on. That's all I want to know. I'm not trying to spread some conspiracy theory. I already told you there's many different theories, which I'm willing to accept. I just want to know what in the serious flying fuck is going on. That's all I want to know. And I feel like we're being prepared for whatever this information is. You know, I know that sounds a little conspiracy. But guys, it's driving me crazy. This shit is driving me crazy. And when you look at all those videos and stuff, who knows what the fuck that is? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I don't want to go crazy in this. I do want to know what's going on, but I want to hear from you guys too. So <laughs> so tweet me your response to this. And maybe I'll do a, uh, I'll set up a, a quiz on Twitter and you guys can respond to it. So what do you think? Here's what I want to know. There, Here are the different possibilities. And I just want to hear from you guys what you think it is. And just free tweet me too, whatever you want to do. Okay. First of all, we know this. We know there is unexplained phenomena that is happening. I'm going to be as neutral as possible in setting this up. Unexplained phenomena. There's video of what appears to be um, crafts flying around, pow- the powers of which we are not accustomed to, at least uh, the layman is not. Whether the government is, we don't know. Okay, here are the possibilities of what it can be, Okay. These these are your choices. I just want to hear from you guys what you think. These are your choices, okay? Number one, do you think the stuff that we're seeing are aliens from another planet? Do you think that? It's possible, okay? Number two, another possibility, do you think these are aliens from within our own planet? You know, like they're under the ocean or something like that and coming out and just fuck with us from time to time, you know? Or... Or, this is another possibility, is it us from the future who is coming back to fuck with us? <laughs> and they have all this technology from the future. They pop in and out. This is the interdimensional theory, right? Us from the future fucking with us. I know that sounds outlandish, but I have to put these choices out there. Okay? Or, this is another choice. Let's see. There's one, two, three. This is the fourth one, I think. Is it like the Russians or the Chinese have some stuff out there that is flying around and we just don't know what it is. I doubt that. I don't think the Russians have shit, those motherfuckers. And if the Chinese have it, it means they took it from us. <laughs> those motherfuckers. There is so much intellectual property theft that goes on in China, it's ridiculous. And if the Russians had it, it would mean we had it too. That's the way that that works, okay? If the Chinese got it, they got it from us, or the Russians. If the Russians have it, it means we have it too. Okay, so that's probably not it. And the last one, is it our own government? Is is it just government secret shit? Is that all it comes down to, like Area 51, that they'll never be honest about? It's government secret shit that they'll never be honest about no matter what happens. That's the last one. And that's the wall that we'll never get through, which is, to me, this is the thing that I've believed for a long time, that we'll just never know because they'll just never tell us. you know. Or if they do tell us, it'll come out as disinformation. You know, it'll come out with crazy other stories. The truth will be hidden in there with crazy other stories to invalidate. There you go, you guys. Whew. That is my <laughs> that is my take on it. Because I'm exhausted by this. I just want to know. You know, if, if life is out there, I want to know. I just want to know. 
if intelligent life is out there, because we need some intelligent life here on Earth. We really do. Okay, the other thing I want to talk about real quick. Okay, I was picking on the left uh, the other week over not calling the voter ID laws the new Jim Crow or whatever. I think the president said it, which is one of the reasons why I brought it up, because the president of the United States said it. And I said, I don't think it is. I think it's a misuse of the term Jim Crow. You really don't know what it is if you're saying that's what it is, blah, 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 just getting an ID. Not the same. Okay. Now, it's not just the left that's doing this. So I don't want you to think I'm just picking on the left. And maybe this will make it clear of how I mean by this. Now, Tucker Carlson himself, uh, I mean, he's just a, a despicable animal as far as I'm concerned. Tucker Carlson has now said that vaccination requirements are the medical Jim Crow. This is what Tucker Carlson said. Vaccination requirements are the medical Jim Crow. What the fuck, you guys? I mean, first of all, this is so absurd on so many different levels. And one of the most absurd parts of it is, Tucker, do you know who your audience is? Your audience are people who like Jim Crow. (laughs) You know, they're the ones that, you know, want to keep Confederate flags flying, don't want to see Confederate statues knocked down. You know, they like Jim Crowism. What? You're telling them that this is the medical Jim Crow? They think that's a good thing. You're confusing them. It's like if if I was telling black people that vaccinations are the new grape soda. You know, black people are like, what? Well, that sounds fantastic, Larry. Why would I not want to get a vaccination? It's grape soda. This is great. (laughs) Black people like grape soda. It's just an example. It is not, he is not using clear messaging. It is not clear messaging. You don't try to make something sound bad by using a thing that people thought was a good thing. It was when America was great when we had that. And I guess my bigger point is, can we stop using Jim Crow, you guys? Stop it. Just stop it. Look, there's my hand. Stop it. And stop comparing things to the Holocaust and stop comparing things to slavery. And I'm going to tell you why. It is wrong, 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 wrong. It diminishes how bad those things really were. And the other thing is, when people use these in a modern context, for me, what it does, and this is, I'll I'll be serious about this for a second. I believe that it hijacks Black pain. Black people, I'll say that again, it hijacks Black pain. And here's what I mean by that. Black people, more than any other group, we are alone in this country where we have had a singular relationship with this country that is different. Many different groups have had it rough in this country. They may have been discriminated against here and there, whatever. They had it tough and that. But Black people had a a singular relationship with this country. Native Americans have had a singular one too, but it's different. But they've also had a singular relationship, right? But the Black relationship, through slavery initially, has a relationship with this country in which we were treated like animals, all right? And slavery wasn't just slavery. You know, it wasn't just a way that, you know, it's not like people try to compare to, well, white people were indentured, they had indentured servitude, you know, and they had to buy the fruit. And it's not the same thing. Black people were treated subhuman. They were looked upon as a certain way. It was, it was this subhuman relationship that white people had towards blacks. 
there was a, I don't know, when I, in my special amend, there was a, this guy from the South. This was an interview from years ago where he said uh, Black people were like, uh, I can't remember the adjective, but like an advanced pet or something like that. That's how they, this is how white people viewed Black people. They were less than them. They were not the same. And the anger that came out of a lot of white society back in those days was directed towards this notion that Black people would be considered the same as them. And there was pushback that came out in violence, the way, you know, Blacks were treated, how women were raped. Black women were raped like nobody's business back then. Black men were lynched over things. The attack on the Black body and Black people is unprecedented, okay? There is nothing that compares to that right now, <laughs> you know, you can't compare that experience. That's that's what Jim Crow comes out of. That separation in society is the resistance that white people had towards black people being on the same level as them. No, 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 black people, not going to happen. And when we compare anything now, I don't care what it is, to that period of time, it diminishes the fight that blacks had in this country to overcome that, to get through that, to fight against that constantly, to be under assault by that, to be inundated with that, to have to face that in your fucking face every fucking day, you know, that that's how you were viewed as less than, as subhuman and treated that way, okay? So I don't want anybody comparing that period of time to now. It's just not the same, which is why I'm happy to attack either the right or the left. And that's why I bring up these other things, you know, it's just not the same. So let's not diminish the pain that we have gone through as a group. There are struggles right now and there are obstacles that we have to overcome, but it's different than what was there before. So I just want everybody to stop using that as a term because it's not the same thing. I don't care who uses it, by the way. It's just not the same. All right. That's all I got. We got uh, Wanda Sykes coming up. Very fun conversation, and uh, we'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit jiffylube.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's a treat. We get a little treat this week. Uh, this has been one of my favorite performers for a long time, you guys. I like to think that I was laughing at this moment before a lot of y'all were laughing at her because she's been funny for a long time. And she's in another... God, everything she does is fantastic. She's in another... Hit show, The Upshaws, on Netflix, 
It's the great Wanda Sykes here on Black on the Air. Welcome to the show, Wanda. Why, thank you, Larry. Happy to be here. It's so nice. I I love me some Larry Williams. (laughs) Well, it's back at you. I love me some Wanda Sykes. And like I said, have been for a long time. I still remember um, we had lunch once when I was first at Disney. I remember that. I was trying to come up with a show for you. And actually, here's something you don't know, Wanda. Uh, when I did the Bernie Mac show, I actually had thought of you as the wife of Bernie, and I even named the character Wanda. Wanda, I know because, <laughs> but it's because I was actually thinking of you when I was writing. That's a true story. I noticed that when I watched, I was like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, it's exactly Wanda." <laughs> what the? Wanda. Yeah, no, it was That's, a great show. Oh great well, show. I appreciate it. But congrats on the new show. That's nice, huh? Yeah. It's nice to have the word out that something's nice out there, you know, especially these (laughs) days. So much crap going on, you know, and you have one of those, I think, I don't know if feel good is the right word, but it's like comfort food is probably a better word Mm. of of what you guys are doing out there. Yeah. Uh, For those of you that haven't seen it, it's a family show on Netflix, kind of a working class family. You want to describe it for us, Wanda? Yeah, it's a working class African-American family in the Midwest. And... Uh, I think it, it represents how most Americans are, are yeah. living right now. We right. talk about, you know, real issues, but, you know, of course not preachy. It's just, we just. Yeah, it's not an issue show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very funny. And we just drop stuff in like conversations that you're probably having in, in, <laughs> yeah. in your home, you know. It's been certified by barbershops and uh, <laughs> so I know that's the key. Yeah, I know yeah. we are. We have something. That's that's the only thing I want to know. Only thing I, that matters. I, I ask my friends, "What what are they saying at the barbershop? Exactly. What's the beauty salon. If they're trashing at the cookout, then <laughs> you know it's not exactly. It's not the right thing. It's funny when a lot of people didn't know who I was, and I was just a writer. I was able to get the temperature of things because people didn't know that I was involved with. And I, that's exactly what I would do. I called it test driving it. I would go to a barbershop at those kind of places. I was going, Oh, you know, and I'd say like a joke, like saying what the premise was. And if they laughed, I was like, I said, man, that shit is whack. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go there. Where did this idea come from? Um, Mike Epps reached out to me. He said, mm-hmm. hey, I want to talk to you about doing a show. And of course I was like, Oh damn, Mike, do I, really need, <laughs> do I need a Mike Epps in my life right now? Right. And right. I've known Mike for years, you know, yeah, he's doing, doing stand up and everything together. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad, you know, yeah, I sat down talk, and talked with him. Mm-hmm. And he said, he basically said he wanted to do like a black Roseanne. Wow. And, you know, and, and it was so simple that yeah. I thought, but, and then I thought about it and I was like, oh, you know, what, that show does not exist anymore. There's, it's not, you know, it's like we went from the, 70s early 80s to you know uh now black people have made it and we're in you know fancy yeah. suits and flashy cars and all or <laughs> well, work- coming out of slavery or coming well, out of slavery. yes exactly <laughs> it's one or two other but working class kind of disappeared in a lot of different groups on television absolutely. it seemed like right yeah. yeah absolutely and i think that's why it's resonating with so yeah. many people because i think it's so like, hey that's us you know yeah, even though it's an African-American family, I think a lot of people can relate to the dynamics. You have a, a family that a lot of people can relate to because mm-hmm. it's not what was normally that intact family. There's outside kids, you know, things like right. that, Out, you know, relationships that are a little complicated, yeah. that type of thing. That's, 
Yeah, it's a little messy. It's a messy. Messy is the right word. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you developed the script with my good buddy uh, Regina Hicks, which is very nice. Love her. This is the it, it was like the easiest process that I've been through. Yeah, you know the whole thing, development and and getting yeah. something on the air. It was man, it, everything just easy. kind of just yeah. kind of fell in place. And then meeting up with with Regina to partner up with her on this, it, I had so much fun writing with her. Yeah. What was the process like? Was this your first time creating a sitcom, Wanda? Is this your first shot at it? From from the well, no, because Wanda at large, you know, and also that's true. Wanda does that's it. True. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I created by on also, but this is like the first I would say from the infancy. You know, just like from sure. meeting with Mike and then creating the show, and then we went into Netflix, pitched mm-hmm. it, they bought it. And then I met up with Re- Regina because I was like, "Look, I'm acting in it. I'm I, sure. I, don't, I can't just be showrunner. I you know, so I need I needed someone yeah, it's too much. Yeah, how to do you know, especially someone with experience and mm-hmm. uh, come on, Regina. So yeah, it was just really pleasing and just so so just cool how everything kind of just took off. Yeah, it's funny how shows come on. The timing always seems to be right in retrospect when you look at it, you know, because you guys. You guys pitched this and sold it before COVID and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It was right. a it was a while ago, and then but did you you did you shoot it during COVID or right before? We shot half of it during COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we shot three episodes in front of an audience. Yeah. Then things started getting a little COVIDy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got rid of the audience and we oh, did man. two episodes without the audience. And then by March, it was like, we need to shut this shit down. This is, this is, we're, we're in a full blown pandemic. So yeah, we shut down in March and, uh, and then the writers continue, we, we stopped, totally stopped for like a month or so, a month and a half. Yeah. And then the writers, we picked up on Zoom. Uh, Netflix was kind of like, hey, are y'all still writing? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that show like, that we were what, shooting? What are y'all, are, we haven't gotten any outlines. Whatever. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Okay. I guess we That's guess funny. We so we got the room back together and yeah. uh, and did that over Zoom, which I found very productive. Very interesting. Writers, write, writer's room over Zoom. Yeah. Because it's not like, you know, Folks aren't like getting up, going to get a thousand snacks. <laughs> Everybody's like, know. Ooh, what's that? Oh, really? You you put the raisin that's in the hot cheeto? I never tried that. You know? <laughs> the writer's room snack game that Wanda's talking about is legendary, guys. Legend. When my son was was little, I took him into the writer's room once, and the only thing he talked about was the kind of snacks that were in the room. That's the he's remembered it to this day, you know. It's true. It, it yeah, there is there is something about being able to focus. It has changed things. I wonder if we're going to go to something that's a little different. Like, you know, I know you've worked pretty much everywhere. I'm sure you've worked in Canada before, right? In Vancouver or Toronto, have you worked yes. up there? Yeah. And I I think it could change the way that kind of works if you can have a remote writer's room and that sort of thing and really produce a show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see it working like that. Yeah. You know, it, but it's, it's like you have to just stay in contact with folks yeah. too. You know, like we did have a few, <laughs> hey, let's just let's just get together and have like a little happy hour, a right. little happy hour, just to keep everybody, you know, up and, right. and not 
stress about. You have to make sure someone's picture isn't just up on the screen. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So what was that like then? So you started in front of an audience, which you know very well, that's your comfort zone, and then it's no audience. Was was that kind of jarring for the cast? Was it was it difficult at first? The, the cast pretty they handled it well. I mean, come on, we have Kim Fields. I mean Oh, you guys have an amazing cast. I mean, way. we have Kim Fields. She's yeah. you know, she's she's a legend. So oh, yeah. uh, you throw anything at her. Um you can literally throw anything at her. I mean <laughs> right. <laughs> What benefited of us was that we did have those first three episodes in front of an audience mm-hmm. and heard the laughs. So we knew right. we had a funny show. We knew it was solid. So uh, I, that gave us, I guess, the confidence to just, you know, okay, the crew was laughing. Just pretend we were killing it, you know, hold for laugh. You know, that that definitely did help having that those first three episodes in front of an audience. You could kind of feel where their dynamics were, mm-hmm. which dynamics were working. Okay. All right. If he called me a bitch, they laugh at that. So I guess we got to keep it. You know? Right. That's another right. thing. The language, because it's Netflix, it's it's a little unusual to see a multicam where people were saying shit and bitch. I heard a couple of niggas in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. We what? Two. We, had, we had two the whole season. You got two? Okay. That's pretty good, actually. But I mean, think about that one. You could never think about that type of language in a sitcom but how, how what was that like at first when you're doing that you say wait wait can we keep that in like did you have any of those moments yeah. um we we did you know and and yeah. we, had to, we had to talk about it a little bit you know with right. netflix but at the at the end of the conversation it was you guys do what you want to do right 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 but that's good that yeah. it's just it's gonna come down to how we market it you know we can't right we can't say this is a family sitcom and TV G or anything like that because of the right. language. So if you're cool with getting a higher r- restriction as far as the age limit that we suggest, right. We describe the show, then you're good. And I'm like, I'm, we were both like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to, I didn't want to like, you know, change up the language or soften it just to get into that, that PG uh, zone. If you're going to be on feel, streaming. Feel authentic. I mean, Exactly. You know, right. a, a, a black man at a house party and somebody's trying to give his telling his kids go go get me some liquor and some cereal. <laughs> yeah. like, Hold up, man. You know, so exactly. That's exactly what he says. What was the audience reaction to that? Because they must have I mean, did the audience know that the language would be loose? Did did you get a sense of that? Like or when you first when that was first said, were they like, wait a minute, what? They can say this now? <laughs> Yeah, we we told the audience when oh, okay. uh, when they uh, signed up to you know to come in to, for the uh-huh. show, so they, uh, they they knew. But but you could see and you can hear them like ooh, you know, it, it was a lot of that. So that's fantastic. And the when you came back, so you did it in front of an audience, and then you did it without. And when you came back, did you do the model where you had a small audience type of thing, or did you stick with no audience? No audience. Oh, and so no audience when you came back also. No, no, God, no. We, I mean, when we came back, um, if I wasn't in the scene, I had to go back to my, to my office to watch the, watch the monitors. And, and Regina was at home with, with the, with the setup. With the monitors. I know it was crazy. Call, you know, calling takes and all that. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Give people a sense of what it was like for you as a performer working in COVID. 
it was bizarre because like, okay, I'm, I'm in the scene. First of all, the, the whole week of rehearsals, you're rehearsing with your, you know, your N95 mask. <laughs> oh and my face, God. And your face shield. And his shield. Yeah. yeah and your face shield. And it's like, are we going to joust? What are we wearing here? I know. Right. right. So that, that's ridiculous in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's as a performer, you know, I use a lot of looks to get a laugh, you know, there's this expression of what, you know, and, but, you know, it's kind of hard for that to, for, for that to work with, your, you know, whatever people just see your eyes, you know? Um, so it, it was, there was some obstacles there. So it was really about trusting the material, you know, during rehearsals, uh, just got to trust the material. And when we're actually filming, uh, when the, you know, the whole crew was there, it's, it's okay. You're in the you're in the hot zone. You're in the red zone now. So take so the cast we take off everything, but then you look out and everyone else has all the the you know the mask and the shield and if, if hair and makeup comes near you, they have to wear the um, the gowns and all, um, and and so you're you're acting, but then it's like. Not only are you acting in the scene, but now you're and you look out at the camera crew. Now you're acting like you're not acting during a pandemic. You know, you're, you're acting like the world is is normal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Because you guys really don't acknowledge it in the show or or that that's in the air at all. Right. 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 I mean, I, you know, I just figured that we've been in it so long that people want to get back to normal. man. they you know, so it's like I'm. Let's just it it didn't happen. It didn't happen in this. In this. <laughs> it was a bad dream. Yeah. Did you ever being an ex, an executive producer, create co creator of the show, and being an actor? Did you feel an extra responsibility? Were you scared at all during that COVID phase? Like, oh shit! If something goes wrong, what the fuck? Like, did it did it make things uh, seem more intense for you because you had the dual role going on? Yeah, it's funny because in March we were shooting episode five. And Regina and I and, and one of the our, our line producer, we we talked and we were like, this is it. We, you know, I, let's let's get Netflix on the phone and tell them that we don't feel safe. This is not cool. We 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 should shut down. I mean, while we the only show that's still up. And right after we had that conversation, before we can call Netflix, we got the call from Netflix saying, you guys are, you know, we're we're gonna shut everything down after today. So, so that all worked out. And when we came back, we got tested every day. That's, I I was like, I I don't want to do this, you know, uh, twice a week or whatever. So I I want testing every day. And, you know, we just, we just had a a nice talk with everyone saying that we are responsible for each other, you know, each other now. And, and isn't, isn't this great that we get to come back to work and, uh, and, and do the job that we love. So let's just, you know, when you finish work, just, you know, take your ass home and, <laughs> you know, and lay low Yeah. and just stay and keep everybody safe. And, uh, and I, and I told the case, I was like, I will be checking your Instagram. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike knows a lot of people, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. Uh, Mike Epps, he's talking about, uh, yeah, it's like the NBA. I remember last year in the bubble, uh, all they were all like at Disney World or something like that, 
And all they had to do was go from their hotel room to the gym. And yet, like, there's this player who went to get, like, wings at a strip club. Like, how did you get to this strip club? And why is this strip club, how is it serving wings during the height of the pandemic? And right, sort of, right. You know, and of course, they got to have pictures of it and all that stuff. It's like, what is wrong with you? All you had to do was play ball and stay oh, in the bubble, man. That's, that's it. all. Yeah. I got, I got to get wings at the strip club. I don't know. You got good know. wings, man. That, that's why I go. <laughs> I think other people go for other things. I don't know. <laughs> I go for the honey barbecue. That's I go. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. How did you get started as a stand-up, Wanda, back in the day? You weren't, did, was that something you always wanted to do? Well, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, you know, I watched, uh, you know, we watched all those variety shows and all growing up. So uh, Jackie Mom's Maybelline just stuck with me. My mother said I would walk around the house, you know, doing her, doing her bits and everything with the uh-huh. rag over my head and all. <laughs> right. But like growing up, you know, we we didn't have any performers or anyone in our family. You know, we had preachers. That was the only people who, you know, did like shows, you know. So um, it, it was just like as I got older and all and, and going after college and all, it was like I, I I had never been to a comedy club, mm-hmm. didn't know where they were and all. What were you doing for a living back then? Were I was you... working for the National Security Agency. I worked for NSA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, were you privy to like information oh, and stuff like that? I had, I had a top secret. Top secret? Clearance. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about aliens then. Okay, Wanda, <laughs> you have the information. I was, I was bringing this up last week, so I got to bring it up with you now. Okay. I know this is a detour, but I have to ask you. <laughs> Something's going on right now, Wanda, and I don't know what to think because I've been on both sides. I've been like, oh, man, this is a conspiracy that could be that. And I'm like, come on, there's nothing going on out there. This is ridiculous. People just like to make shit up. But now we have like government agencies acknowledging that tapes are real and that they don't know what the shit is. What the fuck has happened? I feel like we're being prepared for information that's coming down the pike right now. Ooh, that's you know what? I didn't, I was not privy to any of that information while I was at NSA. I know, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think there's, 
that there's something there and there are some things out there. And I think, yeah, maybe they are saying, uh, yeah, I might, <laughs> might want to be ready for some. <laughs> right. We can't have another, we can't have another summer like last year. We got to right. bring some aliens right. in. <laughs> but is there anything that you remember that you can share or, or if you can't share that you can allude to that you read or you were privy to and you were like, what the fuck? Did you ever have any of those moments? Yeah, I did. Really? Yeah. There, there was like a couple that I was it kind of, yeah. But I, it's, it's so, it was so long ago now. Mm-hmm. What, what was the subject? I'll just say uh, a magician may or may not have worked with the government. I know that I've heard about, you know, I'm an amateur magician. I do uh, slide a pan and that kind of stuff. So I've heard some of these stories. So a magician may or may not have worked with government. Okay. So there are a couple of possibilities of this. Well, when you say may or may not have, that means has. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know. That's the same way of saying, that, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm bisexual. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, now there are, Rumors that Houdini worked with the government. Are we going back that far? We can. Oh, so maybe it is Houdini. And you can even, you know, maybe even a little more contemporary. I don't know. David Copperfield? If you did this, let me think. Was this early 90s you were working for the NSA? Mm, No, a little earlier. Late 80s? I'm trying to guess the time frame of who the magician would be. Copperfield was famous then, but he was still kind of young. Doug Henning was popular then. Damn it. How can you get How can you say this to me? <laughs> okay. And let me ask you this. Well, I don't want people showing up at my door. I don't know. Yeah. Was there some nefarious shit that was going on with this magician? I'm not, no, no. Oh, okay. No. Did you ever uh, know about any like assassinations or that kind of thing? No, God, no. Okay. And that's all you can. Can you give me initials of the magician? No. <laughs> I'm a patriot, Larry. Yes, H H, Larry H D C, David Copperfield. I don't know. Maybe David Copperfield. If it's uh, somebody contemporary. Uh, and how did? So, what was your decision to do stand up? Going back to that. So, you worked for the NSA, and you thought, I don't know. I can't keep reading this secret shit. I got to do something else. I, yeah, I, it got to the point where I was like. <sighs> Uh, I need to get out of here. I'm I'm not on top of it as mm-hmm. I should be, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah, I started. I just I watched uh, Whoopi Goldberg's uh, HBO special, The Round the World, and uh, and I and I, it just clicked. Something said, "You should just write some jokes and go go try it." And I did, and I, you know, just. Fell in love with it, and I I met um, uh, the you know local DC comic who's the working comic uh, Andy Evans, and he kind of he just like took me under his wing and was like, hey, come on, let me show you where to you know like let's t- take you around to the clubs. Uh, I'll you know he he sat down with me and and uh, helped me like craft jokes and uh, just yeah just just work with me and. Um, and I just took off from there. Well, you know, of course, I stayed at NSA for like maybe like five more years. And then once I got to the place where I could middle, um, then I said, I'm re- I'm going to 
I'm going to go do this. I'm going to leave in a scene and go, go uh, do comedy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't worried about like, uh, <laughs> oh, what was that movie? Uh, Robert Redford. Like there's going to be anybody following you after that uh, just by quitting the NSA, I guess. Right. 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 Well, actually, they, they were super cool. They let me, they, they gave me a, a leave of absence instead. It was like, you know what? Go try it. See how you, you know, my director was great. He was like, go, go try it. He said, but I, I'm not going to let you like leave, leave. He said, just take a leave of absence, keep your health insurance and uh, see what happens. He said, and come back here in like a year and, and let me know. If we got to open your desk again. Right, right. There's always, I feel like in, in a stand-up act, there's always an early joke from your act that you go, okay, that's, that's the one. Do you, do you remember any of your early jokes? You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that I should do. Cause a lot of times there's, you have so many disposable jokes when you're starting out, you know, but they, but they get laughs. This is what I want people to know. You can get laughs and not really have an act. I think people don't realize that, like, especially you're going on open mic night and that kind of stuff, but then you come up with a couple of jokes. You go, Oh, okay. This joke is different. There was this one, it was an observational thing. It was, uh, yo, remember those, the, the auto shade? Oh, yeah. In those the cars, cardboard yeah. sunglasses things you put in your windshield. Yeah. But my joke was, why are there instructions on the auto shade? Like, you, you can't <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who can't figure this out? And on you know, the instructions, it says to remove it before you start your car, before you start driving. Right. Yeah. And it was like, come on. Like, should you have a license if you need to be told to remove this from your windshield right. before you start driving? And can you imagine going down the beltway and you see a car coming towards you with big ass sunglasses? <laughs> you know. Very nice. Nice yeah. and visual. I like the visual of it. Ah. Yeah. I, there was an I forgot. Yeah, there was a, that one was like it it always worked. It's funny how you have jokes like that. Um, that you can tell the temperature of the room, I always called. Like I said, depending on the laugh that this jokes get, I know where the rest of the act is at, you know? Right. <laughs> it's always, it's nice to have those, you know, like if you're yeah. not doing well, you just, you, that joke's got to come in earlier in the act. Right. Try to get them right. going or whatever. Do you, uh, are you still doing stand-up these days? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been, been on stage in like, what, 400 days, but I'm going up, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go up and I have no idea what I want to say. I have I, I got nothing, but I, I got to get back out. What's the creative process for you in standup? Um, I, you know, it's like whenever I think of something, um, you know, I got to write it down. I make a note. I can't do that anymore where I would go, Oh, I'll, if I just like if I'm about to go to bed and I think of something, I go, okay, I'll, I'll write that down in the morning. I'll remember that. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. It's gone. Now it's like if I'm in the middle of something and and something funny hits me, I grab a book or a paper or my phone and just write it down because nothing. It will leave. Um, and then I go through my notes every now and then and try to group things or or go back and go. This shit ain't funny. Why'd you, why'd you even put this down? This is crazy. Right. Yeah. This is just a rant. What is this? Um, and then, then when I get something grouped, then I try to see if there's something like thematic, you know, and, uh, 
And if so, then I go, okay, I, I have, I have about 20 minutes I can put together or like when I go back up, I'm just going to take like just some chunks and just work the chunks and see, see what's there. Are there experiences you're thinking about now based on what we've just been through that you feel like you want to talk about or, or was there stuff from before all this happened that you feel like you didn't have a chance to talk about? It's a little, it's a little of both, you know, I think what I'm getting hung up on now is, you know, how do you couch it? You know, because I don't think people want to hear a bunch of COVID jokes. Right. And and how and how how do you go back to before COVID, but pretend that you know maybe that's it. Maybe it's a comparison of like things things aren't won't they they're never going to be the same as far as like pre COVID and then we're we're in this now. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's it. But it's yeah. It's to me it was the same thing with Trump. Like how do I go on stage and? And talk about Trump without just being angry and rant about him, you know. So, so it was like I had to find a like for my last special, I just had to find the funny shit about him to build on that instead of just this motherfucker. You know, I hate him. You know. Yeah, I think it was a challenge to do any kind of stand up about Trump as opposed to just one off jokes or whatever. What did you find that challenging? Is it for those reasons? Because he's such a larger than life character, mm-hmm. like what he does in real life is almost so outrageous. It, I feel it was hard to make jokes about. Yeah. It, yes, absolutely. That's why like in like my special, I, I did bits about the people around him. Do they really respect him? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, to, to, to let him walk up, walk on air force one with toilet paper on his shoe. And right. nobody, nobody caught that, you know, like <laughs> you would stop a stranger in the airport and say, man, you got some toilet paper on your shoe, you know, and get that off. But, right. but the Marine guards, they just let him walk on right on up. No one said anything. They- so, they yeah. want to see him humiliated. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a process for doing an hour when you when you know you have a special coming? Like, how does it work? You know you have a special coming, so he's like, fuck, I got to do an hour. Or do you have an hour and go, you know what? It's time for a special. I got an hour. That's that's the way it usually works. I I keep going and tour and until I say, hey, I, I have an hour here. This is, yeah, I like this. This is a good hour. And then I go, you know. And then I put it together and and get a deal to do an hour. Uh, I'm working backwards this time. Yeah. So is because it a little from, yeah, because like from unnerving? Because I think uh, Chris Rock works this way where he has an hour and so he figures it out. And, you know, a lot of comics do it that way. That feels a little difficult because especially if you have a time frame, like what if you don't have the hour done when you're supposed to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that was part of my deal. Like. Netflix from my because after my last special, you know, uh, not normal, they it did well for them and they were very pleased. So um, they made a deal for the next one. And I was like, OK, but I can't tell you when you're going to get it. You you can't. You know, I, I can't say you'll have a special next year or, you know, so it's 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 the same. I guess it'll be the same process for me, except I already know. It's a it's a deal there. But 
I'm, I'm also trying not to think about it because I don't, because it feels like, you know, people out there now, it's like, ooh, the faster I get this done, the faster I can cash that check, you know? And I don't want to do that. So when I, yeah, so I'm, I'll get the hour together and then, then I'll let them know. Yeah, because the highest bar is going to be set by you, not by anybody else. Right. So, right. Yeah, that's going to be the bar. One thing that we share, we both uh, hosted the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Which was nice. You did. I think you did the first one for Obama, was I it? Did. And I did the last the one. Last one, yeah. <laughs> I almost shut yeah. down the White House Correspondents' Dinner. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, it's I didn't. Please. <laughs> what was that experience like for you? Was it surreal? I mean, for you, it must have been so interesting because he was, he was fresh. He was president. No, he wasn't president elect. He was president fresh, you know, fresh in the office. We never had the black. I mean, you came in at such an exciting time, you know. Such an exciting time. Yeah. And, I, I got the note because it was fresh. It was the yeah. new guy. Oh. It was the first time. So I got the yeah. note. Uh, we're just asking you, please don't <laughs> know the, the, the F word or the N word. Wow. And, and then they said, well, the, okay, yeah, the F word, but definitely not the, not the MF word or the N word. And I, really? And yeah. yeah. Who's, now who said that to you? Somebody from the staff. Right. And did you tell them, look, niggas, I worked for the NSA. All right. <laughs> I got motherfuckers that can check up on all y'all. In fact, let me tell you about you. <laughs> I told them to get out of my face. I was like, you get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. I, was like, I said, who, who, what kind of, I said, did you, did you tell John Stewart or any, or any of those, you know, yeah. comics not to, why, why, we, why are you coming to me like this? Right, exactly. I thought there was always too much protection in the joke telling about Obama. You know, I mean, I loved Obama. I voted for him, but I'm like, he's still the president. Why aren't people slinging jokes about the president? They, were, I, I always called the jokes about Obama were always flattery jokes in my mind. They weren't. He's so like, sexy, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So how is that a joke? How is that truth to power? That's all flattery. That's kissing his ass jokes. Did you did you notice that yourself? Or absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like we we just wanted him to win, man. Yeah. You know? And white people were afraid of being called racist. Like we just we didn't want anybody to take him down. <laughs> and white people were afraid of being called racist if they went after him. So there was kind of this shield, this joke shield around him. It felt like. Yeah, I you know I tried to get a few in. Yeah. I, yeah, I did. I got a couple in, but you said it was it wasn't anything like nowhere near what I would have said about Bush. But but Obama didn't, you know, he didn't have it, it was new and, and there wasn't anything really to, you know, rip on him. Like I think one of my jokes was like it I, it amazes me how uh the press can catch you with your shirt off, but they can't catch you smoking. <laughs> right exactly because he was smoking a lot back then yeah did, did didn't you go in hard on rush limbaugh wasn't that yeah true? i remember that yeah and uh yeah i and i remember that i was like that motherfucker deserves every word of that joke <laughs> I, got, I got in trouble more because because uh obama laughed oh yeah, he laughed and Michelle 
you know, shot him a look and he just kind of covered up his mouth like, oh, mm, yeah. nope, nope, I'm, I messed up. I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I was lucky when I when I said my nigga to Obama, he got up, you know, and gave me one of those. But I somebody said that they weren't sure that Michelle liked it. And I'm glad that I didn't see her expression because that would have been the I would not have been able to live with myself that night if I got a glare from Michelle and said, motherfucker, did you just call my husband a nigga? Because <laughs> you don't want that glare. And I had just been sitting next to her talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And your kids are going to college. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'll be right back. I'm going to go call your husband a nigga. Right, I'll be right, right back. Right. Yeah. Be right back. Hold on. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. That was oh. so funny. She was trying to uh, have conversation with conversation with me. Uh-huh. I mean, delightful, delightful woman. And and I'm going through my jokes in my cars because Obama's so funny. Oh, that killing he, it. He was, he was taking some of my jokes. I was like, yeah. shit, you know. Like, exactly. Cards. Like, this and nigga's it, crushing it right before <laughs> I go. Presidents aren't supposed to be this funny. <laughs> yeah, it's the first yeah. time. So I'm like, oh, so, so, so he's funny too? Exactly. And, and uh, first lady, she was, you know, uh, trying to, you know, make conversation with me. Right, right, right. At one point, I just looked at her and was like, uh, like, like, I shook oh my, my God. I shook my cards no at her. Like, uh, like, woman, don't you see I'm busy? Oh you know? my God. What did she, what, what was her reaction? She was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, you're. That you shushed the first lady? I shushed her. Oh, man. That is fantastic. Yeah. Luckily, and- I, 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 you know, had a had little encounters with her since, and uh, and, and <laughs> laughed about it. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't any any iciness afterwards. No. Right? Uh-uh. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing at that. Uh, yeah, that was very surreal. You know, I have to say this. I think a show that's underappreciated. One, when I think of you, is Chris Rock show on HBO. I feel it's underappreciated for. The talent that was on that show, first of all, so many great people came out of it. But you guys did some hilarious sketches back then, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It was, and you know what? I owe Chris and that show pretty much everything because I learned so much from that show. Um, everything about TV producing, it's it's Chris Rock show. Yeah. You were a writer and, and a performer on it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because we would, you know, we, we you learn how to pitch, you know, you pitch your bits and then you 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 write it, you get you get notes from Chris. Um and then, you know, producing it, performing it, you edit, you know, it, it stayed with you. No one like said, Okay, hey, thanks, and you know, took your took your 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 bit or whatever, your piece. And uh it, it was just I learned everything. Did you ever audition for SNL in those days? No, did not. You know what? I think, you know what? I think there was like a an, a a showcase, and I um, and I yeah, just like doing stand up. But I don't think I don't remember ever getting called. I no, I would remember that. No, I didn't. Yeah, get called back to go in front of uh, Lauren. One of the things I admire about you, so many of them, I think it was. One of your HBO specials, you really uh, talked a lot about, you know, your sexuality and that sort of thing and your stand up. And was that their first time really 
having it like that in your stand-up that special that you did and 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 did you have a moment when you felt like you came out was that a moment in showbiz that you did that or was it just like it just you know this is just another thing i'm talking about uh when i came out it was in vegas and that was right after uh that was the, the national day of protest uh, for uh, the passage of prop eight in california mm-hmm. right uh and I came out that day and then was that a, yeah. And then that night I had a show in Vegas and I talked about it a little bit. And then from 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 that point on, my you know, my act shifted. I it, it got more personal. And and then it, it it got it just got funnier. And I was preparing to do a to do a um to do the, the that special, I'm gonna be me. And actually, that's how the name changed. Every you know, because then I was like, you know, hey, it's I'm gonna be me. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I guess I yeah. guess that's what we're doing now. Yeah. And, but when you're authentic, it's funny how things really just start being easier to write in that right. authenticity. Yeah. Exactly, and I just yeah, and I think at least a half hour of it, it was just all fresh and from from coming out and saying, hey, come on, let, let me just talk about talk about you know my my truth. Yeah. What was uh what was your reaction to that? Do were there did you hear from a lot of people uh at that time? I did, I did, mm-hmm. yeah. It was like one when I came out, just very supportive, you know, um not necessarily my family, but <laughs> but you mm-hmm. know, the fans loved it. Uh what did your family say? My immediate family, you know, very religious and in the church and all. So I think they were just more concerned about uh, what, you know, other people were going to say. As opposed to what they're going to say. Did they think Hollywood had corrupted you or something? Oh, yeah. 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 White people did that to you. Yes. Uh, Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh man! I can't afford to be gay. That's just too much. It's just too much. Too much of a target. That's too much trauma. Yeah, a, a lot of that shift, you know, just shifted my my. It, it actually, it just opened up the world for me, you know, as far as what I could talk about. It must have been kind of a relief. What, what I mean, I used to joke about the difference between black and gay and that sort of thing, the differences, and like I always said, we share an invisibility, you know. Um, but it's a different type of in- invisibility. Black people were invisible because white people didn't want to see us and gays were invisible because they didn't want to be seen, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's that shared, you know, that uh, common type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you talked about it brilliantly in your standup too, you know, those, those types of things. Um, do you find that some of the material you want to do now is influenced by, by, by being feeling more authentic and that type of thing. I guess this show's one example where there's a level mm-hmm. of authenticity in it, which is nice. So are, are you looking to do more projects out of that? Well, not necessarily the LGBTQ, which is great too, but mm-hmm. just out of just feeling something. I want to do stuff that just seems real out there. Absolutely. I, I want my, my stand up to continue to do that and, and to go further with it. I want to create shows in that direction. And, you know, I, I guess it's because we're so under attack, right? Under attack right now. It's, it's a lot, a lot of woman based stuff is coming to me now, as far as like things I want to create, like strong female relationships and strong female characters. 
that that feels like a, a good area right now. Yeah. It's always hard to tell where we're going culturally, especially in the LGBTQ area, because some things happen, I guess, relatively quick in terms of the timeline of things, people being aware of something and progress on it. And I feel like there's some pushback in some areas, especially in the trans area and some of that stuff in my head, my head just starts spinning with some of it, you know, and I said, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, but it feels like the culture as a whole is progressing and being more open-minded about things. That's what it feels like to me, especially the young people. Oh yeah. Young people, a lot, they're, they're so ahead of us, you know, like these kids, they they know who they are at, you know, 13, 14. So so I I, I see us evolving when it comes to comes to those those issues. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, we just gotta we gotta stop it with the, you know, 70, 80 year old white guys still in office for geez, forever. It's crazy. I mean, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but no, get into this. You say whatever you want. This podcast. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like the just the the old white guys. It's like the Mitch McConnells and 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 those guys. It's like you keep sending them to to fuck up shit. It's basically yeah. Well, the thing too, the I look at it also that if it were just them we'd be in good shape, but they actually represent a constituency that thinks that because they're trying to get reelected. So if, if their constituency said, no, nah, we're not feeling that anymore, they would not be feeling that anymore. <laughs> you know, because politicians are really thin. Most of them, you know, uh, they'll turn like that. If the people voting for them aren't feeling something. Do you think it's, it's well, man, I know it's, a, a lot of it is that, but don't you think it's also some money going around too? Oh, where, always. It's a, yeah. it's a big stew. It's a big gumbo pot of a lot of that stuff, you know? And right now we're in such a weird phase, Wanda, where there's, especially, you know, the, you know, I hate to, you know, generalize people on either side, right or left. And people that listen to me know that, you know, they get mad at me sometimes because I don't, they, they think I should demonize people on the right more or whatever. But I just, there's too many people in my life and in my family that I know that aren't necessarily on one side. They're kind of straddling the sides yeah, of a absolutely. lot of issues, you know, yeah, and as, as am I too, you know, but there is a side on the right that I've never seen this type of QAnon side. I haven't seen it in my lifetime, you know, believing that people like Hillary Clinton are corralling kids so they can suck their blood or something. I mean, we're, you know, and this whole cult of Trump, beyond just the jokes about Trump being an asshole and all that, but there's a cult of Trump that is something I've never seen either. And I don't know what's going to happen to this political class of people. And I pray to God that they don't get any more power than they've already gotten. Absolutely. I, I do a lot of praying for justice. Has there been Democrats that were like, I'm a never Obama, you know, <laughs> I'm a never Clinton. Has there ever been like that group on the Democratic side that came out against a sitting president, like their own sitting president? That's never happened. Never. Uh, just gets me worked up. This is also the last season of Blackish. Are we going to see you uh, in the last season? I know you've been uh, kind of recurring on that show in the office and that kind of stuff. Or are you still involved with Blackish at all? I hope so. I mean, I'll put it out there. I hope, you know, I'll even reach out to Kenya, but I I, I hope so. I hope they uh, bring me in. 
this last season. I, I love the show. I love working with them. So yeah, I've had a good time over there. So, so hopefully they'll bring me back. Yeah, well, it's one. Modern classics that can come soon and another one resurfaces with the upshots. Well, Wanda, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. So great talking to you and seeing you again. And this, you guys, Netflix, use anyone's password that you have. (laughs) Watch the upshots. I think there's like nine or 10 episodes, I think. Yeah, 10 episodes. Really funny. It is like comfort food. You'll really enjoy it. And it's a great cast. God, I'm so jealous of casts like this. I'm like, ah! But so happy to see Kim Fields, by the way, too. Uh, She's amazing. Upshaws, you guys. Wanda Sykes. Thanks, Wanda. Thank you. Thanks, Lord.